Welcome back to I Did This Instead of Killing Myself, a stand-up comedy and lifestyle podcast I host here out of my apartment. My name's David Baker. I hope you had a happy Memorial Day. This is episode seven, and this will go on Tuesday morning. So if you're uh, sitting in the office or um, on your way there, I hope you're not about to kill yourself. But uh, but yeah, so before we get into our interview today, uh, there's uh, a new thing I want to try, and this is just a very brief uh, segment, but it's it's called What's Happening in, in Local Comedy. <laughs> so uh, I thought this would be helpful. Um, if you don't live here in South Carolina, you can just skip ahead to the interview. Um, but if you do live here and you're interested in seeing any of the comics that you've seen on the show or any comics we're going to have on the show, here's where you can find them this week. So this is the week of June 1st. So the first mic where you could see comics is actually here in this building, uh, right upstairs. Uh, it's a mic I host. It's uh, on the rooftop. So this is a private mic. So if you're interested in coming, um, look for me on Instagram. Just shoot me a message, um, David Baker 7 and I'll give you the address. Would love to have you. Uh, this is uh, BYOB, no cover charge or anything like that, um, and it's it's pretty laid back. It's where a lot of us are trying out new material, and we always appreciate audience members, and if you just want to come and have a beer and hang out, we'd love to have you. Uh, mic number two is at the Radio Room on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. The Radio Room is just outside of downtown Greenville. Uh, Adam Schulte hosts, hosts this mic, and uh, if you want to be an audience member, there's no cover charge. Just show up at 8 o'clock. Uh, if you're a comic and you want to perform, sign up, start at around 7.30. Um, we'd love to have you at that. Thursday night. Normally on Thursday night, there is the joke show at the Comedy Zone. Uh, that's at 8 o'clock. Um, that's where a lot of uh, us perform weekly. Um, that is hosted by Brandon Rainwater, and there's a $10 cover charge for that. Uh, this week, there is no uh, joke show, however. There is a celebrity comic in town. Um Name is John Heffron. Um, I don't know John, but he's going to be here from June 3rd to the 5th. And um, winner of Last Comic Standing, really funny guy. He's a celebrity comic. So if you want to check him out, that's what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's what's happening here in local comedy. Our guest today is Tucker Lawson. Tucker is uh, one of my favorite local comics here in Greenville. One of the reasons I love Tucker is because he's so smart. Uh, he's, he's a super nerd like me. So, um, he's going to law school this fall. Uh, he puts a lot of thought uh, into his jokes and I think he's got a, a good point of view. Um, he's been doing stand-up comedy for about five years, so he's pretty experienced at it. And, um, I really enjoyed our conversation. If you want to see Tucker live, uh, you can catch him at some of these mics around town, but you can also see him, uh, in Asheville, June 29th at One World Brewing West. So One World Brewing West in Asheville on June 29th. Uh, but anyway, enjoyed our conversation. Hope you enjoy getting to know Tucker. Here's the interview. Okay, welcome back to I Did This Instead of Killing Myself. I have another interview for you. Our guest today, Tucker Lawson. How's it going? Thanks for coming, Tucker. <laughs> uh, Tucker, I'm really happy to have him on the podcast. He is, uh, I'm trying to remember when I met you. Probably late last year in the fall sometime. Yeah, that's when I started coming back out again from like, I didn't really go out in the summer. I think that's when you like kind of started up everything. Yeah. But yeah. then I, uh, I never did really started coming back out from the pandemic and everything until about October when Co Coffee Underground opened back up about okay. their open mic. So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, so uh, there was a group of us who started early. We were probably crazy starting <laughs> when COVID was still dangerous in July. Uh, but yeah, Tucker had been doing stand-up well before we had. Um, when did you start doing stand-up for the first time? Um, I'm going to say around 2016, or 2015, sorry. Oh, like wow. July. okay. Like up in July uh, 2015. So if you added that up, you've been doing it about five years. Yeah, about five years. Five years. Yeah. And has it been steady the whole time? Yeah, I've really gone, I think the longest break I've ever done is like, two months when i was working like really hard yeah so that's a big chunk that's like that's a yeah. solid five years going to open mics doing show here and there okay so. great and uh i was thinking about it before we had you on i like your last name tucker lawson because your career background as i understand it i might not get the details exactly right but uh political strategist 
that, right? You work on campaigns. You work in yeah, politics. That's, political tra- strategist is like really overselling what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's really overselling what I do. I, um, I've worked on like multiple campaigns, like statewide, national, local, uh-huh. um, anything from like organizing, which is like the annoying calls or annoying texts, like the people that I I get the people I used to get the people to I would get call people, ask them to volunteer. Then they would call people and annoy them okay. and ask them who they're voting for or I like gotcha. how they feel about a certain issue. But then sure. I've also done, I mean, I've managed races. I've done communication stuff on races and like developed like the little palm cards that you get in the mail and stuff like that. So okay. uh, that's pretty, that's, yeah. yeah. For some reason, when I hear the word Tucker, I think of the guy, I forget his last name, Tucker, a Fox News guy. Carlson. Tucker Carlson. No, it's yeah. like a, it's. Which is very similar. <laughs> Tucker Lawson. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a. Every if I if I tell like a little old lady or old man my name, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm Tucker," and they're like, "Oh, like Carlson." They think you're, they no, think you're the guy on TV. No, no, they don't think I'm the guy on TV. Uh, but do they have that association? They have that a major association. With oh, that guy. and like some of the podcasts I'll listen to would be will be like less than favorable to uh tucker carlson yeah but the people on the podcast will only be like yeah man tucker's an idiot tucker's i can't stand like how he goes about talking about this and i'm just like so then you get you feel a little i bit feel i feel so him. much shame i'll be like on 180 i'll be on like 85 and i'll be like stop talking to me like this yeah. like this is not what i mean oh my gosh yeah and we don't have to get into the partisan sides of things but it is really cool that you're in politics and have like a um, yeah a lot of people like they're not i mean only a only a few people are doing it, or only a you know a few people are doing it. So, um, it's a good thing to talk about. It's a good thing to like bring up to people because they're like that's so interesting. Yeah, a lot of people take strong opinions just as citizens, but they're not actually working in the machinery of politics. Like I know there's a lot. Like I did a little volunteering in 2016 with calling people and a couple of door to door. There was a friend of mine in Georgia. She worked for Senator Isaacson, like on yeah. his staff in D.C. And I knew her family through my college, and we did a little volunteering and stuff. And it's a it's a big job. There's like a ton of work involved with a campaign. Yeah, you don't. Like, I mean, that's the reason that I'm like trying to transition a little bit out of it. Like I'll be always be in, always be in politics, like doing something. But mm-hmm. it's like it can be twelve to sixteen hours, like anywhere in between that. Like your average day is going to be like a twelve hour day, and mm-hmm. then as soon as you get into like October. You're going to be at the office until like right. 12, 12 a.m., 1 a.m., maybe 2. Right. And it's an interesting life from what I could recall because the uh, when I talked to uh, my friend Sarah Ann, she would, she would have friends that worked for campaigns. And like it's very impermanent. Like if yeah. your campaign, if you win or lose, even if you win, yeah. you may not get a spot on the staff, right? So like yeah, definitely. it's not a guarantee. <laughs> And if you lose, Tell then you're just it. like a free agent again. So yeah. what kind of what is that life like? Like when you're just kind of yeah, like every no- up in the air. Yeah, like every you usually get paid like through election day, and if your if your candidate was really good at raising money, you get paid like two weeks after, like a full two weeks after, like the middle of November. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, every November you're back out looking for jobs, and so it can't. It's and the bad thing is that every single person who's doing what you do. Mm-hmm. is back out looking for jobs okay so it's like you're competing against every single person essentially and your friends too probably yeah your friends yeah tons of friends the, but the only thing the good thing about that is like your friends you make friends with people at the next level and they can really help and you know okay. i've made a, i made a, a good number of friends that really helped me get jobs after after i've like after a campaign so okay. which uh yeah <laughs> it's, but it is like it puts a strain on like your uh your your mind because it's like as soon as november is like oh i'm such a relief that this is over and then it's like oh wait now i have to make money again and (laughs) and find health insurance again and all this different stuff yeah yeah that's crazy uh so you you are in a little bit of a transition phase right now tucker uh is going to law school in the fall right it's all official right you've been accepted and you're yeah i've been accepted to a few places so i will be going somewhere it's just down to like which one I can haggle for more money. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, congratulations. That's exciting, dude. So so law school, so what type of law will you be studying? Is it going to kind of help you do more within the political thing, or are you going to do something else with it? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm going in with a really big open mind. Um, 
what I'm going and interested about is constitutional law. Okay. Yeah. So get out and, you know, there's a couple of different routes you can take with that. Um, one would be kind of clerking for a judge, like mm-hmm. federal judge um, on the, one of the circuits around the country or, or a state judge in, a, in, you know, one of the 50 states. Mm-hmm. Uh, then like, but, but then you can also perhaps go into, uh, into like it, to go work at a firm, like okay. one with like a civil rights practice arm of it basically so but uh like i said i'm keeping an open mind you know i'm interested in a lot of different things i'm on stage a lot so like being in a courtroom uh it's not completely the same um but uh you, you get to tell jokes on the stand uh <laughs> you i don't to, think dude. i don't think a judge would like that as, <laughs> I, I watched the trial of chicago 7 on netflix and they did not enjoy uh sacha baron cohen's character telling, oh i haven't seen that movie yet no yeah does really, sacha baron cohen try to crack up the, the courtroom no yeah that's his whole thing like so he plays this uh guy named abby hoffman okay and abby hoffman was this huge um uh, counterculture uh figure in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and it's basically a trial about the 1968 Democratic National Convention okay. and, and, the, and the riots that went on outside of it. And they're trying to convict the, the instigators of the riot, right? Yes. Okay, that's yes. The Chicago 6. The 7. 7. And right. I think the 7 are like the main the main defendants, but there were like 8 or 9 or okay. something like that. But Abby Hoffman was like by trade a stand-up comedian. Oh. Yeah. So he <laughs> there, there's clips of him like doing stand-up in the movie. Not, okay. Not, not actually him, but Sacha Baron Cohen doing stand-up yeah. in the movie. Has Sacha Baron Cohen, does he a stand-up? I know he's a comedic actor. I don't, I honestly don't know. I couldn't I tell you. Like, I, I mean, grew up watching his, or sneaking to watch his movies. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, not, not really sure. I think he's just kind of an actor and like provocateur. Sure. Yeah. That makes more, that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely that. But I'm sure he, did you feel like he pulled off the stand-up scenes in the movie well? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's actually like one of the f- like a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of those actors that have is like, "Oh, I'm really funny, but guess what? I'm also going to like act your face off." Yeah. He was he was nominated for an Oscar last night. Um, was he? Yeah, he was he was nominated for like uh best supporting actor. In which was that from that that same yeah, movie? Yeah, that that same movie, yeah. The, the Chicago 7. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get back into movies. Yeah. I uh I did not watch the Oscars last night. So a little bit of a, a little bit behind on all that. It yeah. But and it it's I mean it means a lot for him to be nominated for that movie cuz he he was the best that him being nominated essentially is him saying like, "Oh, he's the best actor." And like Eddie Redmayne was in the movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, "Okay, this is this, he did a really good job." Yeah, he stood out. Yeah. He stood out. Talk about versatile um sasha baron cohen i mean because i've seen him in everything i mean talladega nights that's a real that's <laughs> one of, i think that. that's my favorite one that he did yeah, yeah. uh um, and uh obviously like the bruno movies and um i'm totally blanking on the biggest one what is um, borat borat yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they um, just yeah they filmed in greenville the second movie did they? yeah oh, filmed man. in greenville a little bit but uh he was in Sweeney Todd too. He like did the he. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen Sweeney Todd. I haven't seen like, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, yeah no. he plays this barber basically okay. that challenges Sweeney Todd to a standoff. Okay, it's, it's a standoff like a, a shave off. I don't right, know. Right, yeah, right. So. right. Gotcha. Well, very cool, man. So law school in the fall. So, dude, you can't get too busy, man. You're gonna have a lot on your plate here. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna probably not be. You know, this is you know the last couple months that I'm gonna be able to be able to like go out to. Mike's regular, regular. Yeah, well, I was gonna say you can't forget about stand-up, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be uh, the cities I'm looking at. Like one is Oxford, Mississippi. Okay. So a uh, small town. It's like Clemson. It's like a small town with a D1 school attached. Okay. Not much of a stand-up scene, but they're an hour and a half from, uh, hour and a half from Memphis, which okay. does have a pretty thriving stand-up scene. I gotcha. Um, so I'm just gonna try to like go to a couple of mics there, see who I can meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I don't wanna. I don't. I'm. A, I'm a law student. I don't need to yeah. spend no, three I, hours on the road. Like I get it. I say every that selfishly because I love to see you on stage. And, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember. But every uh, time that I'm back in town, I'll be like at all the mics. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take me back to when you started doing stand up. This is you know going back five six years. Um, like what was going on in your life at that point? What made you get up on stage for the very first time? 2015. I had uh just spent a semester abroad in france and uh that i wouldn't i won't say that like spurred me to do it but while i was there i 
really was just I was like, man, like this is I, I watched a lot of like American stand up mm-hmm. on my like while because that's a lot of what they have on the Netflix there. Okay, um, in so, France, yeah, in France, I was I was like I was only uh, allowed French Netflix because I hadn't like learned how to use a VPN yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, and so I watched like a lot of American stand up and Wh- I, which stand up. Um, were you watching at the time do you remember which americans man i can't i, I can't remember like specific stand-ups i'll be honest but i like i've always um i've been performing my whole life like i did uh like be like church theater and then community theater um i was in like concert band and marching band okay and then um but i've always kind of been the class clown i would say like okay. at least like the, that's how i thought i was i was probably like just that one annoying student uh <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of people uh but so i got back and it was the summer and i wasn't really doing anything i hadn't prepared like any internships and i i i was like well i want something to, I, I want something to do so i i just searched open mics and it's something that people would like recommended me to do like oh you know you're f- like you're funny like you should at least try this sure and so i got on stage at coffee underground for the first time in like july of um July of 2015 uh-huh. and uh it's I, I've, I've loved it ever since do you <laughs> so, remember your first set do you remember what you had prepared or how it went man I could not tell you what I uh I think it went decently well like I was kind of nervous uh in my voice I remember my voice I like the specific thing that I remember is when my voice getting kind of wavery uh-huh. and my knees shaking and like that doesn't really happen to me a lot I'm not really uh-huh. like a stage fright type of person for other like performing things uh, but it it was like, oh, this is my personal thoughts. Like I'm not performing something else that someone something else that someone prepared for me. I saw yeah. like words written by Shakespeare. It's like, oh, these are Tucker Lawson's yeah. own thoughts and opinions. <laughs> and yeah. so you're on stage for the first time and you're like, Oh, actually I don't know if I like believe wholeheartedly in some of this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh you kind of I kind of like wavered a little bit, but um came back out <laughs> that's all that's all you can hope uh-huh. i think like for anyone starting or thinking about starting stand-up just go to an open mic uh-huh. and see that like not like some of these guys are doing it and they're not that great and right like, and like oh i can at least do what that guy's doing sure at the very least and like maybe even better sure um yeah that is a great point um it's an interesting kind of comparison between performing like music or plays where the words have already been written by somebody else and it's really just a matter of remembering delivering the words yeah but if it's just you that reality hits you very quickly because there's no yeah. guarantee that what you wrote or thought of is any good yeah exactly and the pressure of like that moment hits you <laughs> pretty yeah. immediately and even uh, in theater like you could possibly do something new with like your facial expressions or everything but like You've seen Anthony Hopkins do this role before. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna do what Anthony Hopkins did because he gave a real, like you're gonna try to parrot that with like stand up. It's like oh no one's I hope no one said this before. Right. So it's you know right. And with stand up, it's more of like I think Norm Macdonald said this. He's one of my favorites. But uh, it's a craft. It's an art, but it's also a craft. And by craft, he means there's there should be a reaction from the audience. Yeah. A predetermined like a laugh has to happen for it to be stand up. Yeah. So um otherwise another, you're just giving a TED talk. Like yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. And with, with other arts, there's not necessarily that pressure or expectation. Yeah. People could be bored, you wouldn't really know. You're just getting through it and fine, great. It went fine. Yeah. But with stand up you really know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you really know pretty quick. So and, Yeah, I mean and you yeah, because you feed off that reaction that you're just like supposed to get that back and like that keeps you going and going and going. Mm-hmm. With theater like there's a term like you drop in like you drop into the character and like you just like oh this is rote like i like i need to be reacting to this person and i just need to like th- these people are only here just watching me right whereas like in stand-up it's like these people are part of the show absolutely yeah. it's kind of like a conversation yeah you know, like a back and forth so when you did theater like how much um were you doing it at the high school level yeah i was i did it a lot in like I did so every year we had a Christmas play at my church. Okay. And then that, and then I started doing uh, community theater and I did like summer youth theater a lot and a few shows during the year and then did a high school show. And cause I went to a really small, like, uh, like 128 people graduated with me. So like super okay. small high school. Mm-hmm. 
not really a lot of theater going on. Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, we had one show or two shows while I was there, and I was in one of them. And uh, then I did a show in college. Okay. So, what was the favorite role you ever played? Um, that would probably be the one that I did in college because, um, it was called Shadow Box, and it's just like really sad. It's a Tony Award winning play. What's the the name of the play? Is Shadow Boxing? Yeah, I believe no, not boxing. Shadow Box. Shadow Box. Shadow is Box. The, name of the play. Okay. And it's actually this really sad play about these like three cup three these three families that are going through um they're they're uh, you're you're led to believe that these these one of these fam one of these members of these families are in hospice essentially okay. and so there's a family with a dad that's in hospice and a mom and her like a mom that's delusional about him dying mm -hmm. and then their son who's 14 <laughs> and uh then there's uh a man who his lover who is also a man there and then his ex-girlfriend is there okay and then um a mother that's really old and her middle-aged da daughter that's taking care of her and i played the 14 year old kid it's like this 18 year old yeah. <laughs> and uh like with a beard and everything and like uh -huh. they're like we're gonna need you to shave and <laughs> learn how to play this song on guitar and so i learned how to do this like very simple song on guitar and uh so were you just playing an innocent reaction to all of this craziness happening like the um, hospice situation and the parents and the yeah more or less like it I, I think the angle that i took is that like i know like my mom is delusional but i'm a 14 year old kid and i'm picking up on this like that dad's not gonna come home okay and like i'm bringing him this song like as this final thing for him and it, yeah, Dang, Tucker, this is moving. I'm gonna start crying, dude. <laughs> no, there's this actually. I, I actually like one, these. The people that play my mom and dad are really good friends of mine. Still, uh -huh. um, one one's one of my fraternity brothers, and then the other is this uh, uh, woman who like works in Disney. But uh, she played my mom, and there's this one scene where I, I forget what I say. I think that oh, I, me and my dad are like playing around like slap boxing, and we <laughs> we. Uh, he gets out of breath and he's like dying of cancer or something. Uh -huh. He gets out of breath and he gets winded and my mom comes over and like, she's yelling and like, I say something, I forget what I said, but then she just wails off and slaps me. And, uh, she hit you for real. So the director's like, we can either like do this fake slap. Uh -huh. And I was like, nah, we're doing this for real. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm a method actor. Like I'm this like 19 year old, I'm an 18 year old kid at the time. And I'm like, yeah. nah, man, I'm Daniel day Lewis. Like I, <laughs> like, like I want you to slap I'm committed. me. Slap the and shit like each me. night there was like, you each night we had to like, just, she slapped me. There was like, it was like a seven show run or eight show. Yeah. Run, just slapped me. And some nights she connected pretty well. I'll tell you. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you would always hear like a gasp from the audience or like oh some curse God. words and like, yeah, but I mean, that's what you, I mean, you kind of want that reaction. It's like, yeah. yeah, but that's great, man. I've, I was never really, um, much of a theater actor. Cause I always would get nervous or my face would always get red when yeah. I would do performance stuff. And I remember the one story I've thought of when you had the slap thing, like how real do you want to make the thing? I was in the music man, seventh <laughs> grade. I, I didn't play Hank Hill. I played the An Anvil Salesman. I don't know if you know that play. The Anvil? It's, yeah, the... Um, yeah, it's like... Uh, what do you want? What do you want? What, what do you want? want? Yeah. The, uh, it's like... Uh, he doesn't know the territory. That's, yeah, like the, yeah. opening, that's dude, the opening song. Tucker knows this better than I do. This is amazing. Tucker. I, dude, I could I could do Shapoopy right now, but... Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But it would get, like, ad-blocked or whatever. Like, it would get <laughs> automatically just, like called out yeah um, the girl who's hard to get something like that yeah um anyway doing show tunes on this podcast <laughs> now this is great um there's a scene where the anvil salesman has to kiss the uh, love interest of harold hill i guess uh marion the Mar librarian yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and i was too embarrassed to do the kiss for real in seventh grade so we simulated the kiss i was uh, i was a big wimp and uh no seventh grade is like it's kind of uh that's kind of an intense scene for a seventh grade like this yeah, kiss like to do a to do a mouth a, kiss at that age yeah had you are you had your first kiss at that point i think well yeah i'd kissed a girl underneath the picnic table when i was five but same that doesn't really count I, was that your first kiss yeah like i was at daycare, <laughs> in, daycare? like in like the playhouse yeah, yeah and uh, yeah i don't know 
what came over me but yeah <laughs> yeah it's weird how kids like mimic like what they see like on for TV sure so. for sure yeah my first to have another yeah that's an intense table. thing like to have like for seventh graders like because you're going through all these changes like i wouldn't do it probably i'd be like no i'm good yeah i mean <laughs> i was already too embarrassed to like you know be delivering any of my lines let alone an actual kiss so we simulated a kiss on this on the stage and uh yeah i i kind of wish i would have pushed myself to do more acting now yeah but. i mean it's it's a good like creative outlet for people. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. If I had, if I, my dream job would be like just to make movies. Yeah. Just like to go and like go to LA. <laughs> if I didn't have any student debt or anything, I would be like first bus to LA. Yeah. Well, that was, that's one of the questions I asked. Cause if you weren't doing stand up or whatever else you have going on, that would be it. That would be your dream job acting. And- yeah. Act. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not the end goal with comedy. It's more like comedy's always been kind of just like a hobby that I do, um, that I need to do. Um, Cause every, if I don't perform for like two weeks or three weeks, I'm like, my mind is not feeling good right now. I need to like have this creative outlet, but yeah, yeah I've always loved, um, making, uh, like we, me and my friends, if there was a project in school, we would always be like, can we make a movie? And so yeah. we would always make a movie and, uh, a lot, uh, but if I, yeah, just acting, I loved doing that. And, um, do you like anything else about the, the filmmaking process? Like, do you like the, um the editing the the filming itself i think um, the thing that really the assembling the whole story writing the writing is really awesome i do enjoy i mean i've written like some spec not spec scripts but like um what do you call them uh just like script like just a, a one episode tv show pilots pilot yeah I've, I've written like a pilot and a half and i have like a movie idea that i like i just haven't had the chance to like sit down and like write this 150 200 page like thing but um but i have all the beats like measured out but sure. no, but uh um really enjoy the writing i think that's really interesting um one of my favorite filmmakers is like a, kind of known for his writing aaron sorkin yeah um and so uh, one of my favorite movies is moneyball yeah do you like that movie yeah yeah i'm kind of a sports guy and i, I think that's one of the best uh sports movies he did a uh, sports radio too or so or he did a uh, Sports news. That's I think that was like a late nineties thing. Yeah, and then yeah. it got canceled. Uh, and he was Rogan in that. I want to say, yeah, I think he was in sports radio, sports but not radio. sports news. I'm I'm totally butchering this because I was like I was barely sentient in nineteen eighty like nineteen ninety eight. So, uh, but yeah, just uh, really enjoy Sorkin and but uh, things that like. Uh, what really stands out to me in a good good movie is the sound mm-hmm. it's like the score mm-hmm. um and the editing and uh if you want a good movie from this past year um sound of metal sound of metal I'm yeah not it's that. about this guy who's going deaf he's like a metal drummer okay he's going deaf and uh he ends up going and like learning all the like learning how to do sign language and like become a deaf person and through that he like discovers other things about himself and it's really interesting okay and the sound in it then the sound editing just really interesting gotcha very cool <laughs> so um wow that's very cool so if you if you'd wave a magic wand no student loans you could go to hollywood act and direct and, and work yeah movies. i would probably if i didn't have any student loans i would be on the next flight to los angeles <laughs> uh i would like immediately get in I would immediately pay like the $1,300 it is to like do a class of the groundlings yeah. <laughs> an opening class of the groundlings and just try to get on that. Um, uh-huh. But do yeah. You, would you say you like acting in movies more than stand up? No, 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 no. I love stand like stand up. I've always like, I don't think I could stand up just offers like an autonomy that I think that like acting mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. And like if, if stand up ever works out, it'll be a means to an, like it'll be a means to do acting and like, Sure. Create my own thing. Sure. I want to go back uh, a little bit to what you said, because you you said that if you're not on stage for a couple of weeks, your mind isn't right. I feel the same way, but I kind of wanted you to expand on that, because for me, but until I found stand-up, there was something out of balance for me, yeah. and mentally, and, and kind of, like, I needed it as an outlet, but I kind of wanted to know yeah. what that meant for you. Um. Well, I think it comes, I think it started a lot earlier, because I told you, like, I was performing from like a really young age and I had this like creative outlet, like no matter like if I, it's not my own words, it was some kind of creative outlet for me. So throughout college, like after that one show that I did, I really didn't have that creative outlet. And so when I don't, when I, when I'm not on stage for a few weeks, it does like become like this 
frustration that's i mean it's uh like it's, it's, i don't <laughs> it's like a similar to like sexual frustration it's just like <laughs> like i like it this isn't i'm not trying to be vulgar it's just like i need to get this out yeah right and it's just like this is what I, like i need to get on stage i need to tell someone i and it's this sick you're horny for laughs no exactly Tucker. and like you know what i'm like a, <laughs> like you can probably if, if you're watching you can probably tell that I'm a glutton, so it's like I'm all, like I'm also a glutton for being the center of attention, and so if I can have five minutes of like four people's center of attention, uh, that makes me feel so good for like the rest. Of, and then if it goes well, that's like a whole other level. I'm riding like sure riding like riding that way for the next week. But um, yeah, that's I mean that's that's as much as I can like really expand. It's just this innate like feeling that I that like this needs to happen yeah i mean to me it's really cool uh because it is creative activity the writing is creative um but it's you get feedback instantly and you put it out there it's, to me it's unlike anything else creative because if you write in a journal or write a poem even if you recite the poem people are just gonna be like oh that was nice yeah whatever but like um or you know if you put a painting up in a gallery people might look at it and move on but like with stand-up like you're getting a real-time reaction of like was it good or not yeah do we understand it or not do we relate to this or not yeah and uh and, and even for those people like i guess for those people it's like even more like for a poet or like a artist or a writer like if they're writing it's it's more pure than stand-up in my in my or my in my thinking because it's like they're just doing this for themselves right they're just like they're doing it because like they need to do it. And like, it doesn't matter if it gets out in front of someone like sure. more than likely it's not going to, right? Like it's not going to, right. but for us, it's like, Oh, we, I am going to go and sit for 30 minutes yeah. to get on stage. Yeah. Cause I want someone. It to is. See it. it is. Yeah. There is a big ego trip in it for sure. Yeah. Um, but it also, because the audience gets a vote on it. Definitely. It's also like you're, you're subjecting yourself yeah, you're to put, judgment. You're, it's, there's a vulnerable, like there's a vulnerability to it. Yeah. And so it's like, in it, that way it's, it's like a total like power thing, right? Because like it's a person with a mic, you're automatically like in this powerful position. Mm -hmm. But as the audience, it's like we really own this, don't we? They do, <laughs> they do, a hundred percent. Yeah, dude, it's trippy. Anytime I think about Santa, I'm just like, man, I, I feel like there's so much like we've barely scratched the surface as to like what's really going on. Um, but uh, but yeah, what uh, I was gonna ask you to tell me a joke. Did you bring a joke? Um. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't yeah. have to be of your set. Like people have done like knock yeah. knock jokes. Yeah. Oh man, someone's already done a knock knock joke. Um, no, actually, they haven't. Oh, okay. But I think I envisioned that you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? Um, this joke. This joke? Who? This joke is stupid, and I don't know why I'm doing it. <laughs> It's such a stupid idea for a segment. I remember when I thought of that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just have the comedian tell a joke. Yeah. And then most of the time, I get started talking with the person I'm interviewing, and then I'm like, yeah, I I'm mean, like, we interested in what their story is. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to ask yeah. them. But yeah. No, it's all good. Um, so, stand up comedy, who is your favorite stand up comedian of all time? Of all time. Um, I, you, if it, <laughs> you good? Okay, sorry. Um, that's you know that's so hard because I think it's like I said I've gone through like so many. I was always kind of like really interested in stand like in comedy. I'm not gonna say stand up like from an early age. Like my mom was showing me like Carol Burnett and uh, Lucille Ball mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, like there's <laughs> at, like seven years old, right? So like there's no reason like a seven year old should like know the exact lines to like the Vitamina Vegemin commercial. Yeah, but yeah. like that was my reality, and so I fell in love with that really early. And, uh, even had, I had a Guinea pig that, uh, it was, it was black. It was jet black. Okay. And do you know, I love Lucy at all? I know of the show. I, okay. I, I watched it when I was really young on Nick at night. Yeah. Not so, to the extent you have though. I can tell already. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had this, I had this, uh, Guinea pig that was jet black uh -huh. and you know, it was a lot of seven year olds would like name their Guinea pig, like, Oh, like squeaky or, um, yeah cutie or like whatever yeah. like you name no it's like oh yeah this this uh this guinea pig has jet black hair i guess i'm gonna name it ricky ricardo because he had jet black <laughs> hair and it's just like weird stuff like that but no i i've always been like really interested in comedy and i would kind of 
sneak like kind of sneak to watch stand-ups like i would watch like i saw eddie murphy's raw when i was like 11 or 12 or something like that <laughs> yeah and, uh, dude, i was cool. watching uh i had a friend who lent me their like eddie izzard dvd or something uh-huh. which for like a kid growing up on a dirt road in a town with, like one stoplight <laughs> eddie yeah. izzard was like completely mind-blowing yeah. like, there's a dude in like full makeup and high heels and addresses like this is cr- this is wild. i don't know eddie izzard yeah no. dude you should totally like i think i mean eddie izzard's kind of um really big in like the late 90s early okay. 2000s but really funny dude he has this mm-hmm. uh i i won't do it justice he had a really great uh the bit that stands out for me is like death or cake Okay. And he asked, and it's basically, he's like, what if these medieval people like went around and asked like death or cake uh-huh. and like they would run out of cake, but like, that's like a horrible retelling of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to Eddie Izzard if he ever like happens upon this, but, no, that's all good. but, um, now and like just throughout high school, I would watch online and like, that's where I kind of found my, um, my, like the people that I would consider like my favorites right now. Uh-huh. And I would say that like, if I'm. You know, I have kind of two tiers. Like the people that I watch, like for good feels and like for a warm feeling, um, I'm gonna say Pete Holmes, okay, um, and Moshe Kasher. Okay, you know Moshe. Moshe's like less well known, but he's like pretty. He's kind of on the press, like on the. Cusp I don't know. Of, like, I know Pete Holmes though, because he had a show on HBO, Crashing. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I watched that entire thing all no, the yeah. way through. That's a great show. I love that show. Uh-huh. It's, I like I related to it because it seemed like what would happen to somebody like us, like a white, a likable, like hopefully white <laughs> guy, just n- yeah. naively going into the New York stand-up scene, yeah, and having it go horribly, yeah, for a while. Um, so I've been listening, you know, probably Pete, so P. Holmes, Mr. Casher, who's he has, um, he has a podcast with his wife Natasha Leggero. Okay, Pete Holmes does or. Uh, uh, Moshe Kasher. Moshe Kasher. Yeah, okay. and uh, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but his Oakland, it's called, I think it's called like Oakland Live or something. Okay. It's a uh, stand up, and I think that's a really great one. And then like out of left field, I really enjoy Burt Kreischer. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see him here in Greenville? No, I didn't. I was on. I didn't get to see him when he came through. But okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was at that show. Uh, when did he come through? He came through last year, so I think it was uh, August, maybe. Oh really? Maybe it was before that. It might have been before I ever started stand up, but I knew he was a big name and uh it was a very narrow window that he made it because it was shortly after where they locked down everything again and really? shows were canceled and he stopped touring, but uh but yeah, he was he was there at Comedy Zone. Yeah. I saw him take the shirt off everything. Um I didn't I wasn't a big fan of his going into it. Um I thought he was really fun on stage. Yeah. I wasn't dying laughing though. It was interesting. Really? Yeah. I think that I just have those are I mean I definitely feel kind of a uh, you know similarities to Pete mm-hmm. and cuz he grew up in a you know uh evangelical Christian household and sure. all this stuff and now he uh he's like reshaping his faith and all this stuff and it's just like really funny stuff and mm-hmm. but uh but with Bert I he's just a great storyteller sure and just a great uh he's he's a ham like like, yeah. like i would say i am like around my friends and everything like just a guy who loves to be the center of attention yeah the uh yeah the storytelling um i could tell like i was looking around the room and people were just like glued into yeah. him and very invested it was like they knew him um, because i didn't know him there may not have been that connection there just built in yeah um i mean he, he was still great yeah but, uh, he's like a frat bro like if a frat bro got a hold of like this american life yeah like, he's, like, <laughs> it's, like that's pretty much as what it is yeah but, but there were people that, like shouting out that wanting to hear this story or that story the story like the machine uh, yeah and uh and he did actually for a period of time try out new jokes new material from yeah. his notebook and, and some of the stuff bombed that was interesting to see yeah but uh that's, that's yeah that is really interesting uh-huh. um funnily enough i um I don't know if we've gotten into this yet, but I drive for Uber now while I, before I go to law school. Yeah, yeah. And I met, okay. I picked up someone, or I dropped someone off at the airport. Uh, but on the way there, we, we were talking, and he was actually a television de- developer. He develops like uh, reality television shows, like mostly cooking shows. Uh huh. Um, but he worked for Levity, and Levity is they they used to represent uh, Trevor Noah and okay. Who's the guy with the puppets? 
Oh, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, mm-hmm. but they both left, and they, but they had, uh, but they also represented uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh and, yeah, and uh, Burt Kreischer. Okay. So, did you pitch him anything? No, I mean, opportunity I was, of a lifetime. You should have I mean, thrown a script at him. Yeah, I, I, I just keep that in my car twenty four seven. But no, I did tell him I'm a stand up comedian and like all the oh, stuff that I do. What did and he say? He's like, yeah, that's really, it's really interesting. I mean, I can't. I, I don't really have anything to give him, right? Like, I like. There's no. I was like, yeah, let's take this guy from Greenville, South Carolina, that uh, has like 30 minutes worth of stand up, and give him a travel <laughs> channel show. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, he seemed like a really cool, cool guy. But for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, is that about how much material you have now? 30 minutes. Of if I had to like, if I got on stage and I had and and I like really, really like was like, this is all the jokes that I know work. It'll probably end up being like 30 minutes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's amazing. I've told yeah. hours and hours of bad jokes, though. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. Like, I could do, like, I've only been doing it, like, inside of a year. So, I could I could be up there for 30 minutes, yeah. maybe, but it would be a mixture of really crappy stuff. Yeah. Like, what I feel really good about is probably, like, seven. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's... I mean, seven to ten. In a year, dude, that's, like, all you can, like, hope for. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, I'm, you know... um, but for me, it's it's about the fun of it too, and just the outlet, kind of like you said. But uh, but yeah, I I kind of forgot to ask the first question, which I normally ask is, uh, tell me your biggest dumpster fire story, like your biggest failure story in life. Failure story, man. I have so many. Like there's, I do too, dude. <laughs> there's so many. Like uh, um, man, uh, I'll tell you one from. This is kind of just a story where everything converged into just like a horrible situation <laughs> okay so um like i said i was like i grew up in the church and i was really big in a youth group okay which was awesome i loved youth group i love like everyone in there still um and <laughs> we as a youth group they're like we need to like we want to go on a like the adults are like we want to take you on a mission trip uh-huh. uh we want to take you on a mission trip to new york and like so we have a sister church there that we're going to go we're going to help them like put in some drywall or something that was, and, and then also hand out um leaflets on the street okay uh so how old were you at this point i was 14 it was the summer after my uh summer after my freshman year of high school okay and so we get we get on the bus we drive like 13 hours up to um 13 hours up to new york uh-huh. one day we're in brooklyn we're like at the corner of like Seventh and Eleventh, like Seventh Avenue and Eleventh, or I like or Seventh Avenue and Sixth Avenue. I want no, actually, I want to say Sixth Avenue. Okay. Because I think the name of the church is like Sixth Avenue Baptist Church. Like in the heart of the city. Yeah, it was like in the heart of the city. Yeah. Um, and this is the biggest city I'd ever been. Like I, I mean, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. So of course it's gonna be like one of the uh-huh. biggest cities I've ever been to. But we we were in the city, and. So last night we're like, yo, let's have some fun. Like we've already done like the wrap up session of like our devotional and everything. So we're going to have some fun. Uh, and we're like, let's play manhunt inside the church. Uh-huh. You know what manhunt is? Uh, no. It's basically uh, hide and go seek with the lights off. Okay. 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 So usually we would play like outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, but, uh, you know, we were confined. We were like, we can't yeah. play it outside in New York. So right. we were confined to this and like the preacher there, uh, the preacher who brought us, He's like a big jokester, you know, loving uh-huh. to death. But he like, uh, he's like, so everyone has to give me their phones, like no flashlights. We're going to play in complete darkness, uh-huh. all this. So we, uh, me and uh, uh, a friend of my, a friend of mine from here. And then the missionary son, like this guy who, owned, who owns, who ran the church, the pastor of this church's son that we're in, uh-huh. were we go down into the basement. Keep in mind, this is this church is like eight, like from the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. Like uh-huh. it's an old church. Yeah. So we go down the basement, uh-huh. and there's part of the basement that's finished, and there's part that's unfinished. Right. We're in the part that's finished, and there's like a door up to the stairs to get out of the into the main church, and so we go into the part that's finished and like just like huddle in a corner, and then the we we it's boys versus girls. I should say that first. Uh-huh. Boys versus girls, and the uh, we hear the girls come down the steps, and we hear them snickering outside. Then they open the door. They say, "We found you," and then they close the door, or and the door opens in- inwards. Okay. 
And so we like rush over, like, okay, let's, it's whatever. We're going to go sit up in this, in the, in the main lobby with our phones and stuff now. Uh-huh. And so we're, <laughs> we go to get it. We go, this is where it starts getting bad. We go, we pull on the handle and they've like string locked it where you like tie a string around the one end of the knob and like tie it off to like something that's the girls did that. Yes. The girls did that. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure the preacher told them how to do this. Cause he's a joke. So like, he's a big prankster. So we couldn't like, we couldn't open it inward. So you were stuck down there. We were stuck in this bait. We were stuck in this half finished basement in complete darkness. Uh-huh. And, um, well, I thought that was complete darkness because the next move that we made was we went to the unfinished side of the basement and it had a dirt floor and, was I couldn't see my like hand in front of my face. That's how dark it was. And we're like searching around and we see the seam of light and we're like, we have to go toward that. So we go toward it and it's the, like the doors to the outside. Mm-hmm. Essentially at the, I don't even know what you'd call it. Cellar door. Cellar doors. Yeah. It's yeah. like the cellar doors to the outside. So here we are. I'm 14. This other kid is 18. The other kid is 13. We're in the middle of Brooklyn at like 11 PM at night. Locked we go get locked out of the church. Like we go around to the front, we knock on the door. They're not letting us in the front. We go around to the back. We try to get in the back and they like lock it. They like slam it shut on us and they lock us in there. Wait, so you got out the, the cellar door. So you're outside of the street. We're outside on the street essentially okay. in this like fenced in churchyard. And we go around to the back of the church and they lock the door on us. And then we go back to the cellar door. And when we're going down into the cellar door, this guy's walking his like little, pit bull or like english bulldog but uh-huh. like on the sidewalk and we're going down in the cellar door and then we're down there a little bit like we can't stay down here man it's like pitch dark like we need to be outside right and so we go back up and once we get back up i hear like sirens down the street uh-huh. i'm like oh man it's, it's it's new york man it's like they're going to like do something else arrest some like petty criminal or drug dealer on this corner like two two blocks down or something no, they were coming for us. Four, five cop cars show up. Uh-huh. They block all four lanes, like all four intersection, intersection, and then one hops up on the um, curb. Everyone jumps out of their car and they're yelling at us. They're yelling at us to like get down, get down, get down, and like all this crazy. It was, it was honestly wild. So we're all like down on the ground. Why were they yelling you to, you to get down? Were they just that, weren't you just missing? Like was that what they no, were no, called? No. The Guy who was walking his dog, uh-huh. uh, we think that he called them and said, "Hey, someone's like breaking into this church." Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they like they eventually like get on, they get us and like um, they don't cuff us from uh-huh. my like, from my they don't cuff us, but they like get us up and they they're they're like talking to us like, "What are you doing here? Like, what's all this? Like, it's in." Uh, we're like, uh, we're actually, we're playing, uh, manhunt and like, yeah, exactly. I was like, what are you playing? And it's like, uh, like manhunt. He's like, what, what is that? He's like, uh, well, it's, uh, basically hide and go seek in the dark. Uh And he's like, so let me get this straight. An 18 year old, a 14 year old and a 13 year old are playing hide and go seek. I don't believe that. I'm like, listen, man, like you, like, this is what we're doing. Like we are here on a mission trip, which is already a crazy thing to say in New York Uh probably. And then they, they go and knock on the door and it's like, everyone else is inside. You can go knock on the door. So they go knock on the door and like, Hey, this is a Brooklyn PD or NYPD open up. And the girls think it's us Uh trying to get in. And the, (laughs) the, they're like, we're not going to let you in Tucker. That's not going to fool us. And then finally one of them opens like the eye flap and they just see like blue lights coming in. Uh And uh, eventually we get like released from custody, (laughs) but it was a, it was a pretty uh, intense situation. Um, Wow. A couple minutes. And there's a time that I like got a, my eye got like sealed shut by like a tooth abscess. And I went on like a 13 hour drive to Virginia and, (laughs) and then had to come home and do a interview uh, oh, that's a separate a story. Yeah, that's a totally separate story. What's a tooth abscess? I don't even know. It's like when you have like a bacteria gets under your tooth. Okay, and it just like creates this. I mean, like it's your this inflammation reaction. Yeah, of? your body essentially is like, oh, bacteria need to kill this, and like it sends all these like different like 
white blood cells and puses uh-huh. there to like fix it, but it, it just like builds and builds and builds. But man, so you got a couple. Yeah, just yeah. The, yeah, man. That's not even the t- that's the ones that I could say like on a podcast and not like ruin my like job chances <laughs> in the future. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, the church, the church one in New York City. That's a trip because, uh, yeah, I bet those cops are trained to be definitely on edge for the crap they're seeing. Oh, definitely. It's like New York City. Yeah, and I'm I'm just this like chair faced little kid, like 14 year old, like barely has any facial like like just like stubs of facial hair uh-huh. like i'm basically shaving air at this point and, and that'd be scary man to get locked in that basement and then not be able to get in the building and yeah and i and like i'm a scaredy cat like i don't like get out was too scary for me like yeah. that's how like I'm, like I'm just this, i'm not a big like horror movie fan so like being uh-huh. in the dark me i was neither. like nah dude this is not it i need yeah. to get out uh-huh. <laughs> immediately wow well Glad you didn't uh, die or get shot or anything crazy. So that's yeah, good. that's. I mean, yeah, man. Um, oh yeah, I got so I got two more questions for you before we uh, wrap up. What is your biggest regret in life? Regret. Yeah. Um, I feel like the cop out answer here is that I don't have regrets because it's like everything. Not the that, first person to say, but no every, regrets. Well, like, I, it's not. But it's like everything that everything I've messed up on has like created who I am and like the good, the bad, like it's just like, that's who you are. Right. So if I go back and I change something, that's going to change like how I am today. Right. I could like not be a stand up comedian. Like I could like, you know what I mean? Like I, so, but if I had to say one thing, Mm -hmm. I would say that I like, I heard in your last podcast with like Kel, or not your last podcast, but a couple podcasts ago with like oh. Kelby, you said that you were a significance person. Significance, yes. Yeah, so I you, like, yeah. And, and it was like a test that you took it for for work or something. Absolutely, um, Chris, you paid attention, Tucker. That's yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> I find it a little dystopian that your work does like personality tests, <laughs> dude. Well, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's. I guess they want to know it's who's to like try and get a culture fit and how you're wired. And I don't know. Definitely. It, it's, I don't know that it's a perfect scientific way of yeah, doing of course. it, but, uh, but yeah, maybe it is a little dystopian. Yeah. So the significance thing, it's like you care about how people perceive you. Absolutely. Yeah. You, got, so, you nailed it. So I think that I suffer from that as well. Okay. And I think most comedians would say they suffer, like they probably suffer for a little bit from that or they've had to overcome that mm-hmm. because I think that's like partially what makes comedians special is that they understand a little bit. They, they, they focus on like how they're perceived and also that allows them to perceive like so much other stuff. Cause they are mirroring the perception that they think they're being like, th- yeah. that's being reflected on them. So they're all, all the time. Like, just like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Sure. So, but I would say that I had that problem too. And I would say that like, if I, if I had to do something over, if I could go back in time until like sixth grade Tucker, like one piece of advice that I could give him, uh-huh. I'd say, don't like, don't like, don't put yourself in a box. Cause like for me, and that, that's hard for like sixth graders and seventh graders and eighth graders to do. But cause you, we are just like fed this, like people are jocks, people are nerds, people are goths, people are like theater kids. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that if I had to go back and I would say like, just be yourself, don't put yourself in a box. Cause like for so long I was like, Oh, I'm a jockey kid. I like to play football and I like to watch ESPN and I spend my Sundays watching football. Um, but then I was, and, but then there was like a part of me that was like, you know what? I'm also this like super artistic kid who likes the, the like likes theater and can talk to you about the upcoming Tony Awards and like all yeah. this different stuff. And then there was another part of me that was like, oh, I'm a band nerd. And like there was another part sure. of me. Yeah. So I think that in, for so long i was like no this is what i am and then i switched it and i was like i'm not a jock that i'm not a jock anymore my freshman year of high school i stopped playing football uh-huh. i joined the marching band i was like I'm not a jock anymore i'm the antithesis some people would say of a jock and i'm like i'm a band nerd yeah. uh, this is what i do and then um for so long like i kind of clicked though like my like ha- like my spring semester sophomore year or ju- my freshman like my the fall semester of my junior year it's like you don't have to you can just be everyone you can be you can be friends with everyone like you don't have you can just like then like my junior my senior year i would say that like i'm just a social butterfly like i would just i was i kind of like completely opened myself up and i was like i can talk to the jocks about fantasy football i can talk to the band nerds about like 
opera and yeah. all this different stuff. And I can talk to theater kids. I can talk to goth kids. I can talk like I was in AP and like honors classes. So I can like I have sure. the end with like the preppy and like the smart kids. So that's what I would go back and I would just say like, listen, man, like do you uh-huh. like you're no one else has been Tucker Lawson. Yeah. No one else will be Tucker Lawson. So you like owe it to yourself to to be who you are authentically. Yeah. Dude, I think that's such a great I uh and I don't know who watches this or it's mostly friends of friends and yeah. comics and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But I kinda wish there was an audience of young kids to hear that because I think that is I mean, that's something I felt too. It's one of the reasons I didn't do uh, theater or acting yeah. as much as because I was like oh I play sports so that's not really yeah. sounds like that's kind of the boxes you're yeah. talking about yeah I mean and it's, it's like the whole like, form your identity around a conventional thing I mean they make like hit teen movies about it like that's the whole storyline of like every high school musical right yeah so, like, that's like the we, we just like I mean it's fed to us like from an early age and I think that like it's been like for years and years and years like that's how it's been like for millennia because like used to it's like oh you're the you're the bricklayer. That's what you do. Yeah. Oh, you're the blacksmith. That's what you do. Yeah, the oh, cast system. You're ex- you're that same role the whole exactly. time. Exactly. So I think that, and it's changed. I mean, there's been like cultural revolution upon revolution to like where we're at the point where it's like kids can do multiple things. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, if any kid sees this, if we clip this and put it on TikTok or yeah. something, like, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's. I know. would tell them to turn off the TikTok too, probably. <laughs> no. Do you have a TikTok? I. Yeah, I've done like a few. I've done like three videos. I have one too. I have like three videos. Of. It's so, it's I I've I've told myself only in the morning and only when you're going to bed. Okay. So I'll scroll like in the morning when I'm getting ready, or at night when I'm winding down. Uh huh. But I, if I do it throughout the day, I'll just be on the couch like looking like one of those like drug ads from like the mid 2000s like yeah this, like, like, this is your like, brain on pot like <laughs> yeah this is your brain on tiktok like it's like that's exactly dude i yeah. think it is man i think it's awful for your brain but i mean yeah i do have one though yeah so. everything is i think man it, i think everything's like pretty much awful for awful awful for your brain like any kind of social media it's just like it's yeah. create it's there's I'm studied, a junkie man that's one of the worst things for yeah, me yeah dude my worst. it's um what what was I gonna say? They they have like studies now that show that like social media that's only been around since like the early two thousands. Like mm-hmm. if you go back to before MySpace, there's like Friendster and all that. Mm-hmm. Since the early two thousands, in that short amount of time, twenty years, it started to change our psychology. Yeah. And like how we think and how we perceive the world and kids especially. And it's just like this is like how do we even stop? Like how, we like, don't understand what it's doing. Exactly. Fully. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're I mean we're twenty years into this. It's like, oh, what's gonna? How are we gonna be affected in forty years? Like when we're in our fifties? Like it's yeah. or I guess we would be in our sixties when we but like yeah. yeah. Hopefully they'll still be comedians to talk about it. Yeah. And, they, and try to examine it somehow. Yeah. What's yeah? Man. Okay. So the last question I have is uh, it. it you may have the same answer, and we don't have to talk about it, but uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Advice. If you have another one that's different from what you just said, maybe, but... Well, that's my advice to myself, so, like, I... <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I'm the smart one in this situation. <laughs> okay, uh, so maybe, yeah, outside advice. Outside, yeah, I think... It's so hard to remember all the advice you've been given, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the gyms that I... You know, one of the gyms is, like, it's not... I think you, I think you and Kelby talked about this, but it's also been, like, echoed in my life. It's never as bad as you think it is, and it's never as good as you think it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, let that you, you know. Find you know. Don't get like it's. Don't get anxious over like feeling that like you have like it's good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like just pick yourself up again. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that a teacher, I think, I guess, like a leader or a teacher that has ever told me, uh, I won't say his name because he's a. He's a administrator. Okay. Um, at a school now, but he was uh, he was a social studies teacher for me mm-hmm. in high school, my senior year, and like I was just a horrible like I I was one of the kids that like didn't study at all mm-hmm. and got A's okay. or A's and B like A's and a few B's like I was I was a good I was good at just like mm-hmm. flubbing my way through and that screwed me in college like I got to college and I was super screwed because I didn't know how to study right and uh but. He told me, 
I don't know if he should have said this. It was kind of a borderline thing that he might should have not said, but he's like, Tucker, you're uh you're the uh dumbest smart person I know. <laughs> <laughs> and like now like looking back on it, I was like, damn, dude, he's actually right. Like it's just you know, finding that out, you know, and that's not like I don't feel bad about that. He's, so what does that mean? Because I've been told that exact same thing. I think it just means it's, that like you, you have lack street smarts, sort of. Well, no, I feel I feel like you just uh, it's you you have what it you have it what it takes, uh-huh. but it's just like this is how I meant. This, this, yeah, you have this, what it, it might takes. Be different for you, yeah. It it, it how it, it you have what it takes. You just have to like apply yourself, apply yourself, yeah. and stop. With the BS, essentially. Yeah, no, that is a totally different interpretation than what it was for me. What would for you me, say? It, for mine, it was like you're oblivious. You're oblivious. Like you're 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 book smart, but like you get on the street, you say you say things kind of that you don't think fully, or you're just you don't have a good street smarts. But for you, yeah. it sounds like you had this natural ability, these natural gifts. Yeah. But you weren't you were you were dumb, quote unquote, and that you weren't making yeah. good use of your natural ability. He's one of my, he's one of my favorite uh, teachers that I've ever had. He's like mm-hmm. really cool guy. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, about, it's helpful to have somebody like that believes in you and that can encourage you to yeah get a kick in the butt if you need it. If I ever get famous enough, like in comedy or like if I ever become like a cool politician or anything, I want to go back and like talk to him about that because yeah. like, that's uh, really drove me. And I like even it even makes sense if you look at my like standardized standardized test scores because mm-hmm. like in my standardized test scores, they're always like. 60 like in the 65th or like 75th percentile like mm-hmm. on that like higher end of above average before mm-hmm. you get to like greatness right mm-hmm. before, like it's like oh you're really good at this but we're just not going to give you any more money right. <laughs> right like for the sat and everything i got you. so but um that's yeah i mean i like i said there's a lot of great advice that i, yeah. I mean I it's like, hard to like pinpoint one thing but like if i had to like boil it down i would say like his is like probably the coolest thing just okay that anyone's ever said to me yeah. also maybe like the most like abusive for a teacher to say but also just like he was like being yeah being like straight with me shooting me straight well, you remembered it and that was all the way back to high school he said right definitely yeah yeah so it's cool that it stuck with you um and yeah like what we and kelby talked to me and kelby talked about uh, or kelby and i talked about the uh never as good as you think never as bad as you think that's so helpful when you're doing something i feel like that's challenging and creative it's because i feel like you don't want to be like too hard on yourself because you're trying yeah but you also don't want to get too big of a head so it's a, it's a helpful way of like just keep moving keeping yourself like at a moderate like yeah a moderate ego and um, just work hard but don't don't hate yourself for if it goes badly and don't yeah. don't fall in love with yourself if it goes well just keep plugging yeah i wish i did like i wish i'd really figured that out um before like in college like mm-hmm. before i started like because i said like i did like horribly my first year like uh, my first year of college uh-huh. just like really killed my gpa throughout the whole thing oh that's and, a thriller and yeah. like it also and so that me getting a low gpa just like killed my self-esteem completely and i wouldn't <laughs> go talk to my professors about anything and like because i was like oh they just think i'm this kid from for my first year where i was yeah. like put so much on my plate i was in a play i was rushing a fraternity like I was in college mm-hmm. and I let all my grades fall by the wayside. And like, so they, I was like, Oh, these people just think I'm stupid. It's like, no, they don't yeah. think you're stupid. They probably see the, your, they probably see your ability, but mm-hmm. they just like can help you achieve yeah. that ability. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard, man. I have that tendency too. If things aren't going well or I feel like I'm embarrassed or something bad happens, I tend to like regress inward instead of, you yeah. know, um, it's even, I mean, it's, I mean that transfers to comedy too. Like asking people like, what they think of your jokes or like what they think of like, Oh, like how do I get to this? Like, how do I start going out and doing sets? Like, yeah. that's like, it can be hard for people to ask that. Ask I knew, I know it was hard for me to ask it, ask for it and even ask for it still, because I, I don't know if it was like instilled in me. It's like, you just, you don't want to impose on people. And I feel like I'm being like, I'm imposing on people. Yeah. It's like, Hey, can you give me like a five minute, 10 minute spot on this show? It's like, yeah, you know, people just, you know, just do do it because yeah. they're either they can tell you two things, well, yes or no, uh-huh. and eventually you're going to tell you yes probably if you like keep working at it. Sure, sure. And uh, some part of me worries about what if they say, "Oh, well, it's, here's why. It's because we don't like you. Because you <laughs> suck." And, oh yeah, man. That that is. I guess they could say that. Like it could be like a, uh, a no comma situation. It's like no comma. You're horrible. Yeah. Like, right. Like it could yeah. be like really bad. Yeah. But. Uh, I think there's people 
in that in that vein, like someone's not gonna like you, mm-hmm. right? Like there's always gonna be someone that goes back to like the the advice I would give like seventh grade or sixth grade Tucker is like people some people are gonna hate you or some people are not gonna like you. Uh-huh. Some people are gonna love you. Like just don't even worry about the people that don't like you because like there's nothing you can do to like to make everyone like you. Yeah. There's always gonna be some like you can try to make some you can try to make the people that hate you or dislike you like you a little more yeah. but there's no way you're gonna get every single person like it's yeah. not a it's like it's not like a game of like gta where you can influence the different street gangs to all make you yeah. like, all like you have you ever seen uh you big seinfeld fan yeah i would say i'm pretty the, like decently yeah there's a uh there's an episode where george uh he there's this woman who doesn't like him and uh and Elaine's like, so what if she doesn't like you? Does everybody have to like you? He says, yes, everyone must like me. I must be liked. Yeah, and he I'm, just gets so fixated on it. And I'm very much a George in the in like <laughs> yeah. in the hierarchy I feel like I have of the like, neuroticism of that too. Definitely. Right? Yeah, but so yeah, it doesn't work. But that's why the show's hilarious because yeah, he, he tries to make it and uh, yeah. Well, anyway, man, we're over an hour, but dude, I I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, yeah. Before uh before we go, where can people find you on all your social media and stuff? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tucker Lawson SC. So my name, my full like Tucker Lawson SC. Spelled just like it sounds, right? Yep, T U C K E R L A W S O N S C. And then on Instagram, you can find me at uh Tuck Ever Laughing. So <laughs> it's basically it's supposed to be Tuck Ever Laughing, but just without the G on the very end. So tuck ever laughing nice um that's pretty all really all my social media (laughs) good deal man well thanks for coming keep an eye out for tucker on the political scene or uh (laughs) a law school near you no the key the key is to not be seen in politics that's like the (laughs) that's how maybe he'll be pulling the pulling the levers behind the scenes too yeah but uh but yeah man thanks a lot for coming thanks for joining us uh don't kill yourself have a good one see you next time